Teachings that do not speak of pain have no meaning, because humankind cannot gain anything without first giving something in return. In alchemy, to obtain something, something of equal value must be lost. This is Equivalent Exchange. Welcome to Equivalent Exchange, a podcast about Full Metal Alchemists by Hiroma Arakawa. I'm Kayla. I'm Ellen. I'm Kazum. Whoa. <laughs> I very excited today. Yeah. <laughs> I think we... I'm kind of tired. I feel like we need to be more upbeat. <laughs> yeah. Bring the energy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like a, do a cheer or whatever. <laughs> I don't think there's any dismemberment this time, so we can be happy. That is true. We got to meet some new characters. I was we really did. excited and go to new places mm-hmm. yeah. and see some of our old friends again. Wait, like Yogi. Yeah. My, was there some dismemberment? Oh, hold on, I have to find no, out. No, 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 Kimberly got impaled, he didn't get dismembered. No, not not Kimberly, I'm talking about Al's hair. Do they have to cut it to get him out of the... <laughs> His I'm hair sure is a counts. bit shorter, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't think Otherwise, going ha- to the uh, hairdresser hair? would be a dismemberment. Hair isn't a, hair isn't a member, so... <laughs> I still, Al, Dishairment. Al, I think, was pretty upset about it. At least he was in the anime, right? Was he... Was he in the manga? I don't remember. I think huh? they made a big deal about he was, it. He was somewhat disconcerted. He had a he yeah. Like, he had a, he had a sold session and in the yeah. background of a different conversation. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. Yeah. Whoa! I'm excited. Woo! Yeah. Okay. We're excited <laughs> also, about this thing we haven't told you about. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I meant I'm excited about the chapter. Oh. I'm excited oh, that okay. we haven't told them about that either. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this week we're discussing chapters 64 and 65. We haven't said that yet. Uh, oh yeah whoa <laughs> yeah we haven't even really introduced one. yeah you didn't get that from our banter it was coded in there secrets <laughs> i said yoki came back how i mean mm-hmm. what other we alluded to the content but <laughs> yeah it's true so yeah we'll do our uh typical thing now that the banter's out of the way uh mm-hmm. see that our... segment is complete costume <laughs> <laughs> segment over <laughs> no more banter from here on out yeah no more. <laughs> she says all. bantering. Bantering. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we'll do our recap summary and then uh, discuss it. <laughs> Woo. Those are our other two segments. Mm-hmm. Chapter 64 opens with Al elsewhere in the Central Library, also looking for information on Alkahestry. He thinks about May's long-distance alchemy and how he wishes he had asked her about it when they were both at Dr. Knox's. He then starts to think about Ling's statement that Alkahestry and Sheen specialized in medicine when he realizes that he's being watched. Salem Bradley, the Fierce son, is staring at Al with stars in his eyes. Aren't you the Full Metal Alchemist's brother? That's so cool! Wow, I can't believe it! You really are in a suit of armor! Awesome! Al wonders whose kid this is, but Salem keeps on gabbing, asking Al what he's researching. Al explains that he's looking into the alchemy of Sheen. But you and your brother are two of the top alchemists in Amestris, and we have the best alchemy in the world. Why bother learning about some minor alchemy from another country? Al quickly tries to think of a non-military conspiracy-related answer to that question. <laughs> and what he settles on is, For world peace! <laughs> I've heard that alkahestry is related to medicine. We want to learn more about it to see if it can be used to save lives. <laughs> wow, the Elric brothers are as cool as everyone says. Salem's starstruckness is only increased when Ed suddenly arrives on the scene, excitedly telling Al that they need to head back to the hotel and pack because they're leaving. If you're Mr. Armour's big brother, that means you're Edward, the full metal alchemist, right? Wow, you really are a little alchemist, just like everyone says. (laughs) Ed very slightly restrains his violent reaction when directed toward a child. (laughs) But it's still enough of a threat to get a couple of guns trained on him by Salem's bodyguards, which makes the boys realize exactly whose kid they've been talking to. 
<laughs> I like how his mouth turns into a leech's mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I like Arakawa's, like, exaggerated angry expressions. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, like, different every time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good woods in these two chapters. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, like, he's, like, clutching Salem's head, but Salem's just sitting there with all sparkly and happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, you really are the little alchemist. Wow. And it's, like, deeply enraged <laughs> with veins popping and whatever. <laughs> That just makes me think of, like, how little children like to the same joke over and over again. Mm-hmm. And so, like, after that's done, he's just going to call him little again just to see the same reaction. And then <laughs> when that's done, be like, all right, little guy, go again. You he, know? Said, yeah. he said, wow, and you really do lose it when someone calls you little. <laughs> oh, yeah. He does say that, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. Wow, he would amazing. do that, wow. and he did. Wow. <laughs> Salem tells his guards not to shoot, and the misunderstanding ends with Ed and Al sitting down to talk to Salem and his mother, Mrs. Bradley. I know she doesn't have a name. No, <laughs> she's Mrs. Bradley. I made, was making notes and I was like, and Salem's mom, or like the Fuhrer's wife. <laughs> but yeah, Mrs. Bradley. Yeah, there's some like, some inconvenient characters that don't have names. <laughs> <laughs> I guess she probably has a name, it's just not introduced, I guess, you know? Yeah. And there are some that like, they're on page for a long time before they get a name, and some like, the man. <laughs> Well, Ed preens about the fact that a small child looks up to him. Al asks Salem if he likes alchemy. Yes, I'm going to study alchemy, so I want... Oh, you sounded so excited. I know. It's hard to do... Hard to do eager child excitement and also (laughs) accurately read my notes. I was going to say, and be a disenfranchised... Or, like, be a um, jaded adult. Yes. (laughs) It's like, reach deep back. What did that feel like? I'm sure I remember. (laughs) Yes, I'm going to study alchemy so one day I can become a state alchemist, just like Mr. Edward. Because one day I want to help my father. This gives the boys pause. You care a lot about your father, huh? Of course, Salem says. Even though we aren't related by blood, he still takes care of me like I'm his real son. Mrs. Bradley explains that she and the Fuhrer were unable to have children, so they adopted a distant relative, and that's how they got Salem. He's grown up to be such a gentle and caring boy, she says, ruffling his hair affectionately. My husband and I treasure him. Ed asks how her husband is doing lately, and with a little sigh, Mrs. Bradley says that he's as active as ever. Sometimes I wish he would slow down, though. He's not as young as he used to be. My husband has always lived for his work. She then adds that Bradley is a hard worker, but knows nothing about women, and when they first met, he was so rude that she slapped him. That's when they started dating. Ed now seems slightly disturbed by this. With their conversation done, everyone leaves the library to go their own ways. Ed now watches Salem eagerly waves goodbye out the car window as they pull away. Inside the car, Mrs. Bradley notes how happy Salem must be to have finally met Edward Elric. When I get home, I'm going to tell Father all about it, he says. Meanwhile, Ed and Al wonder if they have any idea that their beloved father and husband is a homunculus. Either way, they have it hard, they decide. Far away from all that, Kimberly has arrived in North City. He berates a soldier for having not located Scar yet, while others nearby quietly gripe about how they've been told to cooperate fully with this jerk, and why the higher-ups don't trust Northern HQ to handle the Scar situation themselves. Eventually, another soldier rushes in with a report. An individual believed to be Scar and a middle-aged man with black hair were seen near the freight train terminal in North City Station. The soldiers rush to get the perimeter there secured, and Kimberly grins eagerly as he stands up and dons his fancy hat. (laughs) This is my job, he says. Don't interfere. At the freight terminal, soldiers close in on Scar's location. Scar notices this and hurries along his companion, a man in a hooded jacket. The soldiers complain that they have a clear shot, but have been told to stand down and just serve as Kimberly's backup. They watch as Scar and the other man board a military freight car bound for Briggs, and they report it to Kimberly. 
Kimberly boards the train to find the man in the hooded jacket alone. Dr. Marco, I presume, he says. I've come to escort you back. You can't escape me. Are you alone? Where is Scar? The man makes a run for it, but Kimberly catches him easily, grabbing him by the shoulder. Didn't I tell you? You have no possibility of escape, Dr. Mar- But as he turns the man around, he finds it's not Marco, but Yoki, looking <laughs> terrified. <laughs> this throws Kimberly enough that he almost gets hit by Scar, leaping onto the scene with a fast kick. Kimberly dodges out of the way, then smiles as he faces Scar. So, you're the Ishvalan I've heard so much about. The train begins to move along its track toward Briggs, and as it passes a series of street lamps, the light shines into the car to illuminate both combatants, showing their faces to each other cruelly for the first time. Scar looks startled, and Kimberly looks almost maniacally gleeful as they both remember their encounter back in Ishval during the war. Furious, Scar strikes out, and Kimberly eagerly prepares to meet him. Meanwhile, May and Marco are making their way on foot through some other part of the northern region. May worries if Scar and Yoki are okay, and Marco assures her that they're probably fine. And more importantly, they're keeping the military forces occupied so no one notices them. Marco then winces as the cold air stings the raw skin on his face, and we see his newly scarred appearance for the first time. Definitely less recognizable as the man the homunculi are looking for. I wish I could have made your face more attractive when I healed you, May says, but Marco just gives a little laugh and says this face suits him. They merge out of a forested area onto a small hill, and Marco points out the Briggs Mountain Range in the distance. Those mountains are the border between Amestris and the nation of Drachma. It seems we're deep in the northern wilderness now. How close are we to the location Scar specified? May consults a hand-drawn map and says that they're almost there. And they soon come upon an abandoned and falling apart shack half buried in snow. They sort through the rubble inside and find a familiar book of notes wrapped up and hidden in a container. This must be Scar's brother's research, Marco says. And May eagerly wonders if there might be a path to immortality within. We'll see, Marco says. Will this turn out to be the Book of Hope or the Book of Despair? Meanwhile, in Rush Valley, Winry calls the hotel in Central, only to be told that Ed and Al have already left. She found some good polishing oil she wanted to send to Al, so she asked the hotel worker if they said anything about where they were going. They didn't leave any messages, but the worker is pretty sure they booked tickets heading north to Briggs. She hangs up with a sigh. That idiot. Her master, Garfield, asks if the boys are all right, and she tells him that they apparently headed north. Oh my, Garfield says, a bit too cheerfully. So then, they're in mortal danger. <laughs> Up north, the boys don't quite seem like their lives are in danger just yet, but Ed isn't really enjoying the cold weather. They're hitching a ride on the back of a little horse-drawn cart, and the driver drops them off at the fenced entrance to Fort Briggs. He warns them that a storm is coming, so they better hurry up, especially since Ed has automail, though he doesn't elaborate on this. With a final warning that it's all military property beyond the fence, so they'll get shot if they stray from the road, the driver sees them off with a wave. Like, it's just like, if you stray from the road, they'll kill you. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> like, two minutes later, Ed and Al are caught in the storm and have completely lost the road. <laughs> they complain about how quickly the weather changes in the mountains, then try to reassure themselves with the reminder that their teacher survived a whole month in the Briggs Mountains in winter during her training. She even killed a bear. She did fight bears! <laughs> <laughs> Al is a little less convinced by this, though. No way! They say the bears in the Briggs Mountains reach ten feet when they rear up on their hind legs. There's no way she could have... They're then interrupted, of course, by a bear. <laughs> a ten-foot-tall bear. Yeah. Not really, but it is a very large and muscly man in a military uniform, with a chainsaw-like automail arm. He fires a net gun at Al, temporarily immobilizing him, then insults Ed's ordinary automail. 
Ed very hypocritically snipes back that the man's chainsaw automail shows he has bad taste. <laughs> to which the man replies, You're a fool if you can't appreciate this beautiful piece of machinery. This is the Heavy Combat M1913A Crocodile. Surrender quietly, unless you want to be chewed to pieces, you miserable Drachman spy. I'm so proud of myself for getting that in the first try. Drachman. Yeah. <laughs> no, the Heavy Combat M1913A oh. Crocodile. <laughs> yeah. I was like partway through the beginning of that sentence. I was like, oh shit, there's a number I didn't memorize coming up. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, how does he eat cereal? I guess he's left-handed. And <laughs> anyway, go on. <laughs> Well, maybe well, later on the, he gets uh... it like changed for a normal. Okay, normal, yeah, I was gonna say that. Arms. So, like, so we're does talking he have go go gadget? He has go go gadget attachments. Yes. Okay. <laughs> just checking. I totally forgot about that part. Yeah, but I, was I guess just this is about his it again. Patrolling mm -hmm. weapon arm. <laughs> I mean that's legit. But then I was also thinking like, so he has like nerves that like control the like chainsaw and shit. Like that's pretty cool. I, I think guess. he. I think he pulls he the thing to to start the. Chainsaw. Oh yeah, he had yeah. like a he had had a pull cord like a mm -hmm. lawnmower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go on. Let's, yeah. <laughs> let's see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> with this horrifying piece of machinery. Spy Ed repeats, confused. What are you talking about? Where? But the man isn't interested in listening. Instead, swinging out at Ed with his automail arm. Ed gets annoyed and prepares to retaliate, but he suddenly finds himself with a sharp pain in his right shoulder, and his automail isn't moving how he wants it to. The big man takes advantage of this and catches Ed's automail arm in the jaws of his crocodile automail. He slams Ed down into the snow, then fires up his chainsaw blade, biting into Ed's arm. Ed freaks out and quickly tries to use alchemy to destroy the man's arm, but it doesn't work. He hilariously tries to call for a timeout while the chainsaw <laughs> does its work, but then Al, having mostly freed himself for the net, calls out, Big Brother! and tosses his armor head to Ed. Ed catches it and quickly jams the cloth taper on the helmet into the man's automail, where it catches and jams up this chainsaw blade. Ed escapes and quickly runs over to Al, then takes a minute to inspect the damage to his arm. That jerk. Even if I survive this mountain, Winry's gonna kill me for messing up her automail again. His opponent is mildly impressed by Ed's performance in the fight, especially since he was using regular automail. But this is as far as you go, he says. And from out of the storm, Ed and Al find themselves surrounded by many Briggs soldiers, all dressed in cold weather gear. They put up their hands, with Ed grumbling about how often they've had guns pointed at them lately. A voice calls out, What's going on, Captain Buccaneer? And the big man quickly snaps to attention to address someone standing on a metal platform above them. Ma'am, sorry for the commotion, Major General Armstrong. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> She's here. <laughs> <laughs> And that catches Ed Nell's attention, as this was the person Major Armstrong meant to introduce them to. Major General Olivier Mira Armstrong, the Major's older sister. The Major General is a stern-looking woman with long blonde hair, with a subtle Armstrong curl at the end. <laughs> and, as the boys note to themselves, she isn't particularly huge and looks nothing like her little brother. <laughs> <laughs> she seems pretty tall, but not as huge as Armstrong, that's for sure. <laughs> She's shorter than Miles and Buccaneer, at least. That's true. <laughs> but not that much shorter. <laughs> maybe they're short <laughs> maybe my perception of everything is wrong because of edward he's very short right? <laughs> <laughs> i think she's just of average height <laughs> <laughs> she's of average badassness yes <laughs> she's above average badass that's yeah yeah right what am i saying <laughs> that was an improper assessment <laughs> with her hands resting on the hilt of a saber she calls for ed now to identify themselves uh, I'm Edward Elric, the Full Metal Alchemist. Major Armstrong from Central HQ sent us here to meet... Ah, it's too hard to explain. We're here to meet with the Major General. But first, I request you call off your men. 
General Armstrong merely orders her men to frisk them, and Ed protests that they're on the same side. I don't know that, Armstrong says. Anyone can claim to be someone famous. The soldiers are a little alarmed by Al's empty armor body, but one finds the letter of introduction on Ed and brings it up for the general to see. She observes the very flowery envelope addressed to <laughs> my sister, as well as the wax seal bearing a curl and mustache mark, and says, <laughs> it's definitely from Alex. <laughs> she then calmly rips the envelope and letter to pieces, much to Ed and Al's shock. You're not going to read it? Ed cries. A letter of introduction means nothing to me, she says, tossing the pieces over her shoulder. I don't need anyone else's evaluation. I make my own judgments about people. The wind catches the pieces of paper and carries them high into the air as the storm and fog clear, revealing the massive fortification that is the wall of Briggs. Enter, Fullmetal Alchemist, the general says. But I'm warning you now, I have no intention of babysitting you. This is Briggs, a natural fortification. In this land, only the strong survive. And that's the end of chapter 64. Woo! <clears throat> <It> was... ah. <laughs> chapter 65 begins with Ed and Al still gawking at the massive size of Fort Briggs. Hurry up, you laggards, the general snaps. And if you do something stupid, I'll rip that cowlick antenna off the top of your head. <laughs> Ed clutches at his hair, terrified tears in his eyes. <laughs> imagining her as a bear and him as a yeah. rabbit. <laughs> mm -hmm. Once inside, Ed is taken to the fort's infirmary, where he's informed that the pain he felt earlier was from being on the verge of permanent frostbite damage due to the exposure of his automail to sub-zero temperatures. He also needs to use a different kind of oil to keep it moving smoothly. Ed protests that that buccaneer guy was moving around just fine. And right on cue, buccaneer enters the scene <laughs> to complain about how he can't untangle Al's head from his automail. The fort mechanic tends to buccaneer, while the doctor explains that they've developed a special type of automail through trial and error that can work well in the cold up north, made from a combination of duralumin, carbon fiber, and nickel-copper alloys. I see. No wonder I couldn't destroy his automail, Ed says. I was trying to combat steel, because that's what I thought all automail was made of. The doctor adds that Buccaneer's crocodile model also uses heat from the motor to prevent frostbite at the shoulder, and Buccaneer complains that the doctor doesn't need to reveal all this to Ed. Why not, she asks. After all, he's a highly respected state alchemist, isn't he? Buccaneer is doubtful, but Ed flashes his pocket watch as proof, which pisses him off. I can't believe this runt's rank is equal to a major. The doctor tosses Ed's coat back at him and gives him a few more tips on avoiding frostbite, then says that he really needs to be fitted with cold climate automail if he's planning to stay here any length of time. She asks if he has a personal engineer, and he says that she's in Rush Valley. Her client was going north, but she didn't give you any special instructions or equip you with a different model? Oh, uh, I didn't exactly tell her I was going north. Classic. <laughs> yes, <laughs> classic Ed. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, you better call her up here and have her fit you with a new one, she says, handing Ed a cup of coffee. Unless you want to end up dead. Ed frowns and sips the coffee. All right. That'll be 100 cents for the coffee. Ed spits it out in surprise. That was low, he complains, grumping as he pays up that it's not even very good coffee. In the background of this conversation, we see that the mechanic has managed to free Al's head from the automail jaws, at the expense of most of the dramatic trailing fringe thing. <laughs> Al looks at himself in the mirror and sulks at how uncool it looks now. <laughs> they can make him some more. <laughs> they can just find use some of the like fur from their coats or something. I can make <laughs> Also, you are right that a buccaneer has a regular ar automail arm attached mm -hmm. now. Yeah, we see the mechanic like detach the uh, chainsaw one. Help them <laughs> to attach work on it. Yeah. Arm one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Buccaneer asks Ed what he came here for, since military command said nothing about his visit, which gets Ed ranting about how he came here to request the aid of Major General Armstrong, but she wouldn't even listen to what he has to say. He shuts up immediately when said general suddenly enters the room. Are you talking about me, you red-cloaked runt? Speak up if you have any complaints. He's so defeated. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like how there's a little arrow that just says red, pointing to his yeah. coat. <laughs> <laughs> I guess maybe people wouldn't know. They didn't see, but anyway. <laughs> I like how he's, like, intimidated enough by her not to, like, get angry about being called just a runt. <laughs> definitely didn't sass her back at all. Yeah. <laughs> Is it that or is it rank? Does he respect rank enough? I don't think so. I think so. he's just intimidated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely I think, don't think, I think so. You're right. <laughs> he yeah. tried to stab the Fuhrer during his yeah. test before he was before That's he true. was part of the military. So, unless yeah. <laughs> we forget, she takes a seat. So, I hear you're on friendly terms with my little brother. Is Alex well? Ed and Ella are a little surprised at her asking after him, since the way she tore up his letter made them think that they didn't get along. So they cheerfully tell her that he's doing very well. She gives a disappointed-sounding scoff and says, oh, well, that's fine, leaving the, <laughs> <laughs> leaving the brothers even more confused on the status of the sibling relationship. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> she then quickly shifts gears into business. Tell me why you came to see me directly instead of going through Central Command, and make sure you explain, without hiding anything, why that suit of armor is empty. The boys hesitate. That's something we'd rather not talk about, Ed says, with a wary glance toward the others listening into the conversation. The doctor gives a shrug and says, Don't worry, everyone here has a few skeletons in their closet. We all have things we'd rather not talk about, so that's no excuse. Ed still isn't convinced. But these things could get me court-martialed if they ever got out. General Armstrong dismisses that as well. Oh, I've done plenty of things like that. And now whisper to each other for a bit, then decide they're going to have to start at the beginning, as the general doesn't seem the type to let anything slide. They agree to avoid mentioning the Fuhrer of the homunculi, and stick to getting their bodies back as the sole purpose of their journey, then launch into their tragic backstory. <laughs> at the end of their tarot... Tarot? <laughs> One tragic backstory later. No. Yes. <laughs> it's like three hours later. Hours later. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of their tale, General Armstrong is holding the drawing of Xiao Mei. And so now you're searching for the little girl who's traveling with this black and white cat? She sets the drawing aside. All right, I understand. And now get excited. So you'll help us? On the contrary, it's clear to me now that the two of you are not only reckless, but cause panic and destruction wherever you go, all for the sake of your personal crusade. That makes me sick. I won't allow such fools to remain within my fortress. I'm shocked that Central would allow trash like you to represent our military. I want you out of my sight as soon as possible. The boys flinch back from this harsh assessment. But then the general continues, That's what I'd like to say, but luckily for you, I have an interest in Alkahestry myself. She asks if they're acquainted with this Alkahestry girl, the answer being, sort of. <laughs> and then says, They are arts unknown to this country. I intend to import them. You can never have enough techniques in your arsenal, especially in a land that shares its borders with Drachma. The techniques might be great weapons if properly deployed. Al strongly protests this line of thought. Alkahestry is meant for healing, and she wants to use it as a tool of war. But Armstrong dismisses him just as strongly. Spare me your yapping. You're just a dog who knows nothing of the world outside its yard. Don't forget that your standard of living depends upon the sacrifices of those of us who protect this country's border. It's my job to see that the northern border remains secure. I will use any means necessary to aid me in this duty. In this war, you can never be too prepared. You alchemists say that one always equals one, but I don't give a damn. Laws like that should be broken. The boys are stunned silent as she stands and prepares to leave. 
We'll find the girl who uses Alkahestry. You two, just make sure you don't leave the fort. She then addresses the man who's been standing stoically at her shoulder the whole time. Major Miles, she says. Give them some work to do. When Ed reacts with surprise to that, she adds, Like the saying goes, those who don't work don't deserve to eat. They concede that that's fair enough. The general leaves with Captain Buccaneer, who comments that Ed and Al seem to have been through a lot. Hmm. They put up a tough front, and they can fight. But now I know that on the inside, they're still soft, Armstrong replies. And they still have a secret they're keeping from us. That I'm sure of. Meanwhile, Ed and Al follow Major Miles, who is a tall, dark-skinned man wearing snow-blindness glasses and saying absolutely nothing. Ed asks what kind of work they're going to be doing, and he doesn't reply, much to Ed's annoyance. He tries again, in his classically obnoxious Ed way. Earlier, the doctor said everyone here has something they'd rather forget. What about you, Major Miles? Any skeletons in your closet? It's not fair that we're the only ones who had to fess up. Miles stops. Do you really want to know? he asks. He removes his dark glasses and turns around, and Ed and Al react with shock. Red eyes? You're Ishvalan? But how? I heard that all the Ishvalan soldiers were rounded up before the extermination campaign. Simple, he says. I'm not from Ishval. And he explains that his most recent full-blooded Ishvalan relative was his grandfather. My grandfather's blood runs thickest in my veins, I suppose, he adds. That's why I have this skin and eye color. He fixes Ed now with a stern look. Your people caused much destruction in the land of my ancestors, Amestrian. They look taken aback for a moment, but then Ed takes a breath and says, You Ishvalan set fire to my hometown and killed the parents of my childhood friend. Miles glares at him, then suddenly begins to laugh. You're the first person who's ever talked back to me like that, he says. I know I spoke harshly. I'm grateful to you for treating me like an equal. You were testing me? Ed asks. Miles slides his glasses back on and explains that since the war, most people have looked at him with pity when they see his red eyes, and he's grown tired of having the same conversation. You two neither feared nor pitied me, and looked me straight in the eyes. Ed mumbles that he's had a pretty broad range of interactions with Ishvalans, from ones who tried to kill or kidnap him to ones who helped him out. He remembers Mr. Sean and the boy in the Xerxes ruins, and says that he thinks focusing on ethnicity will always lead to conflict, but dealing with each other as individuals is much more likely to lead to understanding. They continue on their way through the fort, and Ed asks Miles if he was in the military during the extermination campaign. Yes, even then I was Major General Armstrong's assistant, he answers. The extermination campaign began just as I was assigned here. Many of my Ishvalan relatives, including my grandfather, were killed in the east. Fortunately, I was just far enough from the front to be ignored. Didn't you feel any hatred towards the military? Ed asks. Miles shoots him a wry smile. You're really not afraid to ask direct questions, are you? Ed apologizes if he's offended him, and looks down with a frown. I guess I ask things like that because I'm sick of my own ignorance. An ignorant state alchemist, Miles says, with the same wry smile. Then he answers the question. I did hate them. At the same time, I questioned why the Major General kept me on as her assistant instead of sending me to the internment camps. I don't just have Ishvalan blood, I look Ishvalan. How could she keep me by her side when my very presence could jeopardize her authority with the troops? One day, I confronted the Major General. We transitioned into a short flashback, Major General Armstrong and Major Miles riding the elevator to the top of Fort Briggs. Why would you ask such a thing, Miles? The General says, without turning to face him. Race, ethnicity, gender, class, any type of prejudice on the battlefield can only lead to weakness and an increase in casualties. Briggs is a location that we can't afford to lose. No matter what happens, no matter who is standing by your side, 
as long as you wear this uniform, you must be prepared to move quickly and decisively as you carry out your superior's orders. The elevator door opens, and Armstrong strides out, Miles following behind her. Rows of soldiers snap to attention and salute as she passes, and with this loyal wall behind her, she turns to face Miles. We must be a single force. Let nothing weaken your resolve. Miles, you don't just have Ishvalan blood flowing within you. You have the blood of many other ethnicities. It appears to me that it's because of that blood that you view this country from a unique perspective. I was born and raised in a mistress. In order for me to be an effective leader, I need the respect of all my soldiers, especially people like you, Miles. So stop worrying and just follow my orders. Back in the present, Miles says, her words were rational and without deceit. So I asked her, what would you do if I, with my Ishval and blood, decided not to forgive the Amestrian military? And do you know what the Major General's reply was? Fine, then. Bring it on. As a representative of the Amestrian military, I will accept your challenge to a duel any time. Ed scoffs that she only said that because she had all her soldiers behind her. But Miles, looking slightly terrified, <laughs> assures him that she absolutely meant she would cut him to pieces in a one-on-one -on -one duel without hesitation. <laughs> They continue on their way, reaching the frigid outside walkways of the fort, and Miles asks if Ed and Al know the governing principle here. Let me guess, survival of the fittest? Yes, that means we're all being judged by the same scale. Those without resolve and those who lower their guard will die. Only the strong will survive. From the greenest recruit to the most senior officer, everyone must abide by this principle. It's a truth that never changes, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. As they climb a set of stairs, Ed trips and stumbles forward and then a large icicle crashes to the floor exactly where he had been standing. Miles tells Ed that this strong luck is also an example of survival of the fittest, and Ed laughs nervously. Miles then looks up to the icicles coating the pipes above them, and says that it's their job now. A bit later, Ed and Nell are armed with long poles with picks on the end, and being instructed in the ways of icicle removal by a few other soldiers. They're pretty bad at it, especially Ed, who can't even reach. <laughs> and the soldiers sigh over being stuck with these southerners, then decide to stick them with the new guy. One calls out to the second lieutenant, who comes running, and it turns out to be Fallman. <gasps> it's Fallman! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> he and the boys quickly recognize each other, and Fallman explains that while he was originally stationed at North HQ, he was transferred again pretty soon, and now he's here cutting down icicles. He did get promoted to second lieutenant, though, but everyone realizes the out-of-the-way post means he's not actually advancing, much to Fallman's despair. <laughs> Meanwhile, Scar and Kimberly are still fighting on an open, moving train car like the madmen they are. <laughs> it's more cinematic that way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, if I was going to guess two people who would fight on an open, moving train car, they would be pretty high on the list. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that totally makes sense. <laughs> Ed and Al have done it. Mm -hmm. Oh, but, yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah they were climbing <laughs> and, on the top and stuff. Yeah, and Ed almost got swept away by the, uh, by the wind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Kimberly and Scar have more experience on in crazy fights, I guess. <laughs> yeah. They're also probably a little heavier and sturdier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're more yeah, they're more bound by gravity to the train, yes. to the top of the train. <laughs> the two stare each other down. Sulf J. Kimberly, the Crimson Lotus Alchemist, Scar says. Do you remember me? Kimberly smirks. Of course, I remember you well. You were in the Conda region of Ishval. I remember all the faces I encounter while I'm working. Were those people who were with you at the time your family members? One man with glasses looked exactly like you. He bled profusely from a wound in his lower left abdomen. I could tell he was in extreme agony. 
Enraged, Scar lashes out, driving Kimberly back as he blows up sections of the train car. Yoki peeks his head out of a car farther down and laments the fact that he's trapped with monsters and has nowhere to go. <laughs> Scar keeps up the pressure, and though Kimberly is managing to keep out of his reach, he notes with a frown that Scar has the advantage here. He's been fighting non-stop since the war ended, while Kimberly has been rotting away in prison. But in the end, destruction is the only thing he's capable of. However, Scar immediately proves his own creativity beyond that by grabbing a severed metal pipe out of the rubble he's created and jamming it through Kimberly's side. The lower left abdomen, right, Scar says, as Kimberly slumps down against the wall of the next car, bleeding heavily. Scar approaches. I won't even give you time to pray to your god. Kimberly doesn't look up. Through pained breaths, he grits out. How disappointing. You're an Ishvalan. I've twice failed to kill. He grins suddenly, putting his hands together, and Scar has just enough time to jump back as Kimberly blows apart the connection between the two train cars, leaving Scar's end stranded on the tracks. I can't believe that I'm being forced to escape, Kimberly says as his end of the train continues on. This is an unforgivable humiliation. He begins to laugh madly. Next time, let us settle the score. After all, the third time's the charm. No, Kimberly, you're the charm. <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely something. <laughs> yeah. If I didn't well, know any sucks. better, I'd call him sh charming. <laughs> I feel like Scar javelined that pipe through him. He didn't just yeah. stab him. He like threw oh, it. Oh yeah. Anyway, go on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> At the front of the train, the train operators, who had already noticed some kind of commotion during the fight, very much noticed the end of their train exploding and quickly break to investigate. They find Kimberly sitting where he fell, slumped over and dripping blood onto the tracks. They all freak out and move in to try and help, and also figure out what the heck is going on. But Kimberly suddenly snatches the closest man up by the collar. Go, he says, a wild look in his eyes. I'm ordering you. Don't stop this train. He looks off to the distance, lifting a shaking, blood-stained hand. That's right. Death is coming. No. He who brings death sees death every day. Death means nothing to me. Only work where I can risk my soul has any beauty. How glorious it is, this battlefield of mine. That's our Kimberly. <laughs> the workers are so confused. Like, what are I know. you know? about? <laughs> They're like, it's are like you okay? how everyone like, around Kimberly looks. <laughs> he's like, I need to risk my soul. And they're like, all right. <laughs> Can we get you a band-aid? <laughs> no, just seeing him as a diva. He is a diva. <laughs> I know. But like more as a traditional diva. I don't know. Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just, he's a diva, and he the really is. World is it's his, like the battlefield is his stage. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's like if he were passionate about like music instead of explosions, he, he would still have the exact same personality and <laughs> talk the same way. <laughs> Back at Briggs, Fallman is showing Ed and Al around the fort. He shows them the research and development level, where they gather the country's most cutting edge technology to craft new weapons, and where they seem to be working on some very large tanks and then brings them down to the lowest level, a massive room with pipes of all sizes running along the floors, walls, and ceiling. Ed notes that it's actually warm down here, and Fallman explains that the pipes are the lifeline of the entire fort. Even if the fort gets attacked up above, the central core will stay safe. The boys gawk for a bit, until one of the workers down there shouts at them to get out of the way as he hurries past. Someone calls that worker over to one of the larger pipes, telling him that it's making a strange sound. He presses his ear to the pipe for a moment, then realize that the noise isn't coming from there, but from underground. It's like someone's digging through the bedrock, he says. The workers start to worry as the sound grows louder and closer, 
or Drachman forces digging a tunnel under the fort. But we see what it is below the ground, a huge man clawing through the bedrock with his bare hands. Chains hang from his wrists, and on his shoulder he bears an Ouroboros tattoo. He complains that the digging is too much work, so much work that he feels like dying. But dying is too much work, too, so he keeps going. And beneath Ed's feet, the floor begins to crack. That's the end of chapter 65. Whoa! Yeah! <laughs> he was being a human TBM. And by yes. that, I mean a homunculus TBM. <laughs> I, was right. I was right about Sloth. Mm -hmm. Digging. Although it was pretty obvious that he was digging. Yeah. Before. This is the first time he, like, spoke, though. Like, we had mm -hmm. dialogue from him. He's just like, I feel like dying. It's like, I get that feel, man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Too much work, but dying is work. <laughs> so, yeah. Hey, we met We met so many people. Yeah, yeah. This is a really interesting set of chapters, I thought. Yeah. yeah I really yeah. enjoyed the, um, the Briggs arc. I think some people think it drags too long, but what? I really like all the people in the location. So, mm -hmm. I enjoyed I think arc. my... Because I, I remember not liking it at first. And I think a lot of it is just like, it's such a sudden shift. Yeah, that it they... just like I'm I'm used to sort of what was going on and then it shifts and like I wasn't expecting this. Hold on, what's going on? Like mm -hmm. it makes me uneasy, I guess. I don't know. I don't like change. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh I get it, because you're kind of like we're really invested in a whole bunch of other people, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like I mean I'm automatically invested in Olivier Armstrong because she seems great. Yeah. But like I was really invested in like Roy and Risa and they're just like I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know, we haven't had like a flash to central or anything like that. Like maybe we will, but like you know, like we were we were all invested in all of them and now they're just like at, at least in these two chapters they were completely out of the picture. Yeah. So um what will happen to the lieutenant <laughs> and the colonel or whatever his rank is, I can't remember. <laughs> and I think also like uh, yeah, because cause last chapter we got reminded, like, oh, by the way, Ling is greed. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Oh, mm -hmm. we're not going to touch on that yet. It, it's, we're still going to save that for later. And it's just like, mm -hmm. oh, he's my favorite. Get back to that. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> well, Olivier Armstrong is my new favorite, so. Yeah. yeah I feel like I, yeah, it's I think... fine. I have I've <laughs> imprinted on another, another character. <laughs> I left under her so quickly that I'm like, okay, I'm okay with this. <laughs> yeah, I'm bought in. It's fine. I'm immediately bought into all the characters in the the main characters in uh in uh Briggs, Briggs? Fort yeah. Fort Briggs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh I'm moderately invested in the story, the scar story. Mm -hmm. I mean I really want to see what they find in the notes. So I was like, no, go back to May and Marco. Yeah. But mm -hmm. it's okay. And then I did enjoy the Scar and Kimberly fight. It was pretty cinematic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed Scar impaling Kimberly. I feel like he deserved it. Yeah, and then his little crazy rant at the end too. Yeah, doing in Anigo Montoya and giving him the same injury that he gave his brother. Yeah, suck it, Kimberly. Without even using alchemy. So yeah, I do love that we see that like Kimberly wasn't bullshitting about his remember the people you're killing thing. No, he remembers every single thing about what happened. Apparently, yeah, yeah. And I also liked in the fight that Kimberly was like, well, all he can do is destroy. He doesn't know alchemy, but yeah, and then he got the upper hand and still stabbed Kimberly. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's kind of nice. Score one for the normal person, I guess. Yeah. I like Yoki in the background being like, what am I doing here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and his like terrified face when Kimberly first grabs yeah. him. <laughs> mm -hmm. It really did look like Marco. I thought it was Marco, mm -hmm. which I mean, mm -hmm. it's supposed to, but it's just yeah. uh, it was funny. Like yeah, with the way the eyes are drawn and everything, and I was like, "Oh, it's Yoki! This is great! This is so perfect!" <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, 
And I love Kimberly's look too. Like, who the fuck is this? Yeah, he's like, yeah. what the hell is this? <laughs> Kimberly looks really pissed off, actually. Like, he was expecting to be like, I got Marco in the bag, I got Scar, mm-hmm. I'll get to kill Scar, everything will be taken care of. But his plan was completely foiled, and I bet that pisses him off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ruin the art, the artistry of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, if he can do it on the third try, then it'll be more more artistic. Right? Yeah, <laughs> it's like the rule of three or whatever. <laughs> So something that I noticed while we were going through is, um, as we mentioned, he gives uh, Kimberly the same wound that Kimberly gave his brother, right? Mm-hmm. Equivalent exchange. He's embracing mm-hmm. alchemy. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I think Scar's relationship with alchemy is changing. I mean... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I think he's, he's also getting help from alchemists to study yeah. the alchemy. That, like he's embracing his his brother's research, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. he had been so against for so many years. I feel like, yeah, yeah, I'm wrong. And he's you know he's um, BFS with May now, and she's an <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the extent of their friendship is like stop the bleeding, but not too much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. May's just like, but he's a really nice guy. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Dr. F, you know? <laughs> I like how she was like, I wish I could have like made your face nicer or whatever. And he's like, yeah. no, I deserve it. <laughs> you are right, Cosmo, I think. It's the face of a monster. Yeah, embracing his monstrous face. <laughs> mm-hmm. Last time you mentioned that. This is the like, skin of a know. killer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you were making a serious point. <laughs> no, no, not, no. That was the end of my serious point. <laughs> the face of a killer is that like a reference to something i was just trying to figure it's, out uh, it's twilight the skin of a killer he's <laughs> 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 <Pretty> sparkling <laughs> wow i forgot oh it's been so long that's funny yes <laughs> that's why he has to wear a cape because when he goes in the sun he'll sparkle and they'll know that he'll know that he's Mar- dr marco <laughs> dr marco secret vampire <laughs> I mean, he killed a bunch of people for their life energy, so... Yeah. Oh! Oh, I thought you were talking about the Twilight Zone, not the Twilight series. <laughs> no. None of this makes a whole no, lot more sense. Twilight in Twilight. When, yeah. when Edward reveals his skin in the meadow or whatever, he's like... Bella's like, oh my god, your skin, and she, he's like, it's the skin of a killer or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I don't remember exactly what it is, but yeah, no. Yeah. You know like my favorite... Huh? Like, it's the skin of a Claire's. <laughs> <laughs> It's the skin of a like thirteen year old who shops at Claire's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's. It's like Edward. Haven't you ever heard of body glitter? Like roll on body glitter. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what were we talking about? Uh, Marco. Oh, Marco's, Marco's face. face. <laughs> <laughs> His face was also all like swollen and stuff, so it would be really difficult to recognize him. It seemed. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah, it's pretty um pretty dramatically uh, scarred actually. Like yeah. Well, uh, I feel like Scar doesn't know how to control his al- his like destructive alchemy that much. Not like Roy with his like fancy burning, you know. But yeah. I, mean, I think the goal I also was feel to like make he didn't it... really care. Yeah. yeah, no, no, he didn't care. <laughs> he purposely destroyed the whole surface layer of his face. So. Yeah. He's like to quote unquote help to quote unquote keep you from being recognized. That's <laughs> why, yeah. So that he oh, it's so that Scar doesn't recognize who it is. Like, who's this? Awesome, okay, I don't know, never mind. I don't, have, I don't have anything against you. I don't have beef with you anymore. <laughs> and May's panda is, like, infamous now. All of the mistress will be looking for this cat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, there's going to be, like, high school football teams or whatever with the, the panda. <laughs> the, the black and white cat, yeah. 
the Vestrian Wildcats, and it's like a panda. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they found the notes. Mm-hmm. I did like the line where Marco's like, will this be the a book of hope or uh, despair or whatever? Mm-hmm. I wrote it down. No, I can't find it in my notes. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, well, this turned out to be the book of hope or the book of despair. You're pretty right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There wasn't that much more from there. It's just we finally found where Scar hid, his, hid the notes and everything. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Kimberly's on his way to Fort Briggs, so nothing bad mm-hmm. can happen there. <laughs> nope. <laughs> he's, he's on his way to Fort Briggs, currently impaled. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, nothing can go wrong. I feel like Olivia Armstrong could fuck him up, though, so it might be okay. Definitely going to be some strong personalities at Briggs. <laughs> yeah, I liked how all the soldiers in uh, the, whatever, North City HQ or whatever were complaining, whinging about Kimberly, being like, yeah. who's this guy? What the fuck? Mm-hmm. But do they not? I can't remember if they said, I guess they don't know about his Dark and... being in the prison, being, being in the prison, being in prison or whatever. Yeah, it kind of seems like they don't. So. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess if they were all the way up north, though. It yeah, it it is what's kind of implying the. I doubt it was like the north was like kind of removed from the. Well, yeah, and I doubt it was like very. Yeah, I doubt they like put an ad in the paper. It's like crazy arsonist uh, arrested. (laughs) It does uh, seem like they kept that all hush hush, and the only people who know about it are like you know the people who are in prison, like the 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 warden, and like Mm -hmm. probably like the military command. I'm sure he's in like super security prison or whatever. So. Yeah, maybe people just don't Did know. Talk about his rank. Kimberly? Yeah, does he have an official rank? Is he like has he been discharged since he was Well he's the a state alchemist. They know that he's a state alchemist. That's true. He was. I think he's not in the military anymore, like at the moment. I think he that they've just been ordered to cooperate with him, but I don't mm-hmm. think he's like serving as a yeah, member maybe. of the military he's anymore. A contractor. That's why he can wear his nice suit instead of the That's military true. uniform. That's true. <laughs> No, you're right. I think they just said, like, we've been ordered by Central to do what he says. Yeah. But they didn't say, like, oh, he's, like, Major whatever, Kimberly whatever, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. he was a Major during the war. but Yeah. Just by virtue of being a state alchemist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think he cares about having a rank. No. He cares about exploding things. His So his rant, his crazy rant was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. he's like, the only worker I can risk my soul has any beauty. So it's like, does that mean, like, he knows he's, like, doing whatever, like, bad? Like, I don't know. I just find that kind of interesting. I don't think it's, like, resolved or anything. I don't know what you can take from it, but mm-hmm. I thought it was a... Uh... I took that more to mean his life. I guess. Than just, like, soul, like, yeah. Um, yeah. More than... His mortal soul. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's more, like, about his, like, something where I can throw absolutely everything into it is what... Like, makes oh, it fulfilling. More like oh, soul, like yes, his yes. passion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. But he says, well, he says, he who brings death sees death every day. Death means nothing to me. So mm-hmm. it's not about it being life and death. So maybe it is more like, yeah, what his throwing, giving his all in this, in his work or whatever. Mm-hmm. Whatever crazy passion he has. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I felt like I really liked the like, whatever fourth wall breaking of the workers being like what the fuck is he talking about like it's really good like the look that they give each other like what the Mm -hmm. hell it's nice (laughs) i liked it (laughs) oh one thing can we talk about uh celine bradley i keep kind of forgot that that happened Mm -hmm. and then i went back to take notes and i was like wow that was a long time ago i guess we should just talk about that though because it was like Mm -hmm. right at the beginning of the chapter so he finally got to meet his idol the little Mm -hmm. alchemist (laughs) 
but I like how they're kind of they have this like chit chat with them, and then at the end they just conclude like either way they have it tough or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Either way they have it hard because they definitely don't seem to know. I don't know. They don't seem to know that the fear is a homunculus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't definitely don't act like it. So. I mean, I don't think they said anything that indicates that they definitely don't. But I mm-hmm. yeah, they act like he's a normal person. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. I like how they're like, oh yeah, Salim is like a distant relative, or Salem. You call him Salem, sorry. Salem is like a distant. Mm-hmm relative did i say Salim before when i read it in my head that's what i say but mm-hmm. yeah. salem was like a distant relative so who, what story did they cook up for this kid like <laughs> yeah it's like oh just yeah some kid off the street my distant cousin <laughs> you know <laughs> i don't know I, it, it's interesting because like didn't the fear the fear doesn't know like what is he was taken away from his parents and stuff it's not like he has family family so yeah, yeah not that he would know about anyway no his family are the creepy doctors and father, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, my wife. I want you to meet my father. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the omake? Yeah, she's, like, she's like, family dinners are really, really weird. Weird, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, so how is your husband's family? And yeah. she's like, I don't know. <laughs> he seems yeah. to have a different brother every time. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes they're invisible. <laughs> Sometimes they're they eat a lot. Yeah. <laughs> they all seem to wear a uniform. <laughs> I love the ominousness of Salem's like, when I get home, I'm gonna tell father all about this. I know, right? Oh, yeah, I was like, yeah. don't do that. But I mean <laughs> they they were in the library, like mm-hmm. they just ran into Edward. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. I mean, I guess but like they they're re- researching finding their bodies, so it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, Bradley I don't think they were doing anything incriminating. That. It's just like, oh, it is oh, ominous. I wish though. you wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, I really yeah. wish you wouldn't. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but they seem, he just seems so excited to meet Ed now, which is funny. Oh, and yeah. he also ominously said he wanted to study alchemy so that he could, like, help his father and stuff. And it's like, mm-hmm. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I love the, like, literal stars in his eyes. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> he had a Celeste face. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Celeste from Animal Crossing face. I don't know if I have to <laughs> clarify. Ah. <laughs> you know when she looks at the stars and she has starry eyes? Mm-hmm. That's my favorite Celeste face. Anyway. <laughs> I had one other random comment. Because they had this like interlude where Winry calls and realizes that they're in the north. But my comment from that part is Garfield and Winry have great outfits. Like <laughs> Winry has this crazy like crop top with like a big zipper. And Garfield has like a frilly shirt. I can't describe it. With like frilly mm-hmm. arms. <laughs> Oh, he's like, oh no, they're in mortal danger. So much yeah. trauma. <laughs> he's like, she's like, yeah, they're gonna die. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> and then meanwhile, I have a complaint about this chapter. I like how they all got sassed for running around in the cold, and it's like, yeah, you're just wearing like a jacket. Like, what are you yeah. doing? Mm-hmm. They're like, don't stay outside when it's cold. You'll get frostbite and whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, I feel like it's the. Uh... Like if you if you've never lived someplace that's really cold no. and someone tells you like oh it's cold up there you're like okay I'll get an extra jacket but yeah no. <laughs> then you get there and you're like oh, oh. I didn't understand <laughs> yeah I wasn't aware when I saw them riding up there they're like they're going into a storm I was like oh no and then like <laughs> a buccaneer shows up and they're all fighting in the storm whatever and then all those other soldiers are revealed at the end I was like see they're wearing the right amount of protective equipment mm-hmm. it's like their full faces are covered and whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I like how the um like the Briggs soldiers like out on patrol have like you know special like mm-hmm. uniforms for both cold protection and camouflage. Yeah, I thought the whole setup around like Fort Briggs and how cold it is and stuff was really nice. 
Yeah. I like that all the characters in when they're talking, you see extra like breath like bubbles around their thought bubbles and or uh, speech bubbles and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you can see their breath, Arkha's drawn in their breath, taking time to draw in their breath in the cold environment yeah. frequently, mm-hmm. and I liked that a lot. Um, but yeah, like, and then they have to go clear off all the ice, and they have to like, it's really cold. Even inside, they're all wearing their coats inside the fort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except for, I guess, in the the Batman hangar at the bottom, where <laughs> yeah. all the technology is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. all the. Uh... The Briggs uh, officers have the the fancy uh, fur lined version of the. <laughs> they have a nice coat, coat. I'm like Ed's yeah. coat. Yeah, I like that. Uh, they also have their rank on their exterior coat too, which would make mm-hmm. sense, I guess. Ed's coat that I'm pretty sure he just transmuted some fur trim onto his usual. Yeah, coat. he was like, I need a jacket <laughs> and like made a hood and. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it definitely wasn't enough though. Yeah. <laughs> no. it looks like just like a a wool coat, <laughs> and like they said, it was below. Minus five or whatever. So, yeah. although I think that that's Celsius, I assume that that's Celsius. Which is yeah, still cold. Probably. Yeah, that's in the probably in the twenties for mm-hmm. Americans, I guess. I guess I could look it up instead of just <laughs> blindly guessing. But it's cold. Yeah. <laughs> the point is, it's cold. It's too cold. <laughs> it's too cold. And then I like how they. The other thing that's really interesting and realistic is like they're like, oh, your auto mail. Like, first of all, it causes him to have frostbite at the site where it's attached. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he can't move it. I guess it like seized up. Like yeah. uh, it doesn't have the right oil, and it's not doesn't have. It gets super cold. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I yeah. thought that was a good touch too. Yeah, yeah. another example of the like automobile not being a perfect fix for <laughs> yeah like, the disability it's compensating for. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because we had him like suffering from the heat in the desert also. <laughs> so well, maybe there's special like ceramic automobile for the heat or something. We don't even know. <laughs> there's like a whole other world of automobile that's opened up to us now. Mm-hmm. Like attachments. Ed has like a blade, but I guess he transmutes that himself. Yeah. Like he doesn't actually have attachments. He just has like a prosthetic. Yeah. Buccaneer mm-hmm. has like, yeah, like go go gadget weaponized uh, <laughs> versions of his automail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole um, the technology and the stuff, and then Olivier Armstrong being like, um, I want the Alka history for, for like military tactics and whatever. Mm-hmm. Like to be used as a weapon, all of that was like very ominous. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah. not sure what it says either about her or about. I mean, we know Mestris is all fucked up, like the government's all fucked up and stuff. But mm-hmm. I don't know. We don't know anything about Drachma. Maybe it's really unsafe. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe or maybe they're really trying to like get in all the time. Maybe the border's not stable. Although I feel like we know the military lies about everything. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. So one of the thoughts that I had was because you know they they didn't tell her the full story. If they did mention that philosopher stones were made out of humans. Like, I don't know, I, I, part of it is I don't remember all that well, and I didn't, mm-hmm. you know, wasn't thinking about it, but, like, what, do you think that she would use that knowledge to make Philosopher's Stones? And, I mean, I think we don't know enough yet, but that's something that I want to kind of, hopefully I remember to ask mm-hmm. as we, like, later. yeah, as we get to know her. I don't know, yeah, I can't tell. Yeah, it's like, I have an answer to that based off of later stuff, but. Mm-hmm. At this point, it's not clear, but she's definitely, she definitely says, like, I'll, I want to protect this border. My my mission is to protect this border by any means necessary. Mm-hmm. So I think it's kind of a toss-up. It's kind of like when you met Roy. Um, yeah. Yeah. It could probably... Yeah, like maybe if it was like an extreme situation. She probably wouldn't... If it was that but, bad, yeah. she probably wouldn't hesitate mm-hmm. to use it. I feel like mm-hmm. someone like Ed now, even if the situation is really, really bad, they're not likely to like, use it. I, I yeah. definitely, from my opinion, she would not use it on her own troops. She would oh, use no, it no. on like... Mm-hmm. like 
enemy captives or something like that. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. yeah. But would she even do that? You know, I guess that's the main. I don't know. I guess we'll see. But she definitely, like I said, she specifically indicated that you know she'll she's protecting the fort. The objective is to protect the protect the border by any means necessary. Mm-hmm. And people who people who don't show resolve or strength or fortitude or a desire to live get kicked out. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I yeah. mean, it's at the same so time it is like stuff. it is like seems to be a protective desire. Like it's yeah a desire to protect the country. So I I mean I would say based it's off not of just this... a like yeah. I want power kind of thing. Oh yeah. No yeah. no no. <laughs> based off of this one encounter, I would mm-hmm. say no. But I think. If you leave it open to inter- the interpretation per the text, it could be could be anything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and I think she cares about all of her subordinates. Like she specifically yeah. said to Miles in her long in her speech that um, she needs their respect in order to understand them and command them, right? Like to mm-hmm. empathize with them. I think yeah. that's yeah. not exactly and what they... she said, but that's what's implied. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they all seem to be very loyal to her from the little mm-hmm. bit we've seen. Like the, mm-hmm. I just find that image in that flashback where she's walking past all the soldiers and mm-hmm. they just like automatically all just snap to attention and salute her like without yeah. a word. I get the feeling that she's well respected based mm-hmm. on what we saw, and everybody did everything that she said. Yeah. So with that speech, I also thought she'd make a fucking great alchemist, <laughs> right? Like. Uh, for a lot of reasons like she she's very pragmatic mm-hmm. she i think very invested in the truth that sort of thing and like the the one thing is i feel like with all that though she doesn't necessarily f- believe in equivalent exchange mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah she was like um, that's stupid we sh- yeah. <laughs> i don't accept that basically mm-hmm. and so i feel like sh- she wouldn't find a way to sort of justify and actually i thought about it and i think there is a way you could justify that equivalent exchange is bull (laughs) and that's the other well there's basically two tenets of alchemy is everything is equal right equivalent exchange equal for equal and then one is all all is one so one is more than one it's everything Mm. so there by itself it like kind of contradicts itself and i feel like olivier would be the one to sort of just like basically follow both of those tenets um, but more towards the one is all, all is one, mm. rather than equivalent exchange. Mm. And I think that's also how she operates with Briggs, right? Um, survival of the fittest, right? If one person is weak mm-hmm. in the... Yeah, all of them are All of them efficient. are, yeah. And yeah. so, like, I, I feel like it's a way of operating within that tenet of alchemy much mm. more heavily. Mm. Yeah, I never really thought about that, but I do think that there is a strong connection between the one is all is one and the whole, like, we must operate as a single unit and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we can't let anything, like, stop us from doing that. Mm-hmm. No prejudices or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my interpretation of her saying, like, one equals one loss, like, that should be broken is more that she's, like, looking for an advantage. Like, she's looking mm-hmm. for some kind of advantage that, like, alchemists say, like, you can't, you can't. You know, like, can't, you can't get something can't... for nothing, or you can't get more than what you have been given, right? Mm-hmm. So, in this case, based on what she was saying, that was kind of the way that I chose to interpret it. It's mm-hmm. like, with Alkahestry, with all the thing, all the activities that are going on in Briggs, she's looking for an advantage to keep the border safe. Mm-hmm. So, her being like, I want you to find, like, um, 
like we'll find the the girl who knows alka history because i'm interested in it because it might be different than what we have now and we need new technologies to like and new tactics to make sure that we always have an advantage so mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's i think it's true also just kind of a general like like i'm not going to just accept that <laughs> that's the mm -hmm. way things are because mm -hmm. people say that's the way things are like mm -hmm. yeah that definitely seems like that's something she mm -hmm. believes in <laughs> she also sees through them uh not telling the truth not telling the full truth and whatever so mm -hmm. I fucking love Olivia Armstrong. I don't think we've yeah. seen, we haven't I'm seen really her excited. best yet, but I really no. like her. She's one of my favorites. <laughs> I'm very intrigued. I like her already. Mm -hmm. Oh, <laughs> I like that she tore she tore up the letter from Armstrong immediately. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. just let it fly away into the wind. <laughs> yeah, I love. I'll like, make my own the... judgment. <laughs> yeah, I love all the like flowery decoration on it. And she's like, so it's good. definitely from Alex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also like. Oh, I find their relationship mysterious. I want. They're like, oh, he's fine, and she's like, Tch. like, yeah. <laughs> is it either like? I, I was thinking about that a lot. Like, I don't really know how to interpret it, but it's a kind of like, she's just like, oh, he's the same as ever. Or like, I feel like they don't, it's not that they have a bad relationship, but there's not, it doesn't seem like there's like a mutual respect or something. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know what it they is, but I, yeah. They definitely seem to be very different personalities. So. Oh, for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't use the Armstrong, you know, slice and dice technique or whatever. <laughs> the beautiful Armstrong technique. And also, does she even, I guess she must know something about alchemy, but I don't think she practices alchemy. Yeah, that's based the impression on, I've gotten. Yeah, mm -hmm. based on the yeah my impression from this chapter. So yeah, she seems like the type who would gather an alchemy expert to her. Yeah, and then mm -hmm. study it herself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's kind of one of the differences between Armstrong and her between mm -hmm. between uh, Alex Armstrong and her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, she does seem to have assembled a certain team of people that she trusts mm -hmm. and who respect mm -hmm. her mutually. So, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. And I wonder, I also wondered if, like, is it something about his, like, she probably knows about his performance and whatever and knows that he's, like, looked down on in the military and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. maybe that's part of, like, her relationship with him. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm just throwing things out there at this point. There's not a yeah. lot of evidence, but mm -hmm. I'm intrigued by their personal relationship as well. Yeah, because she has a very high rank. Yeah, she's the, major yeah. general. Yeah, so which is, like, that's, like, one step. It's two like two, two below, below the, the highest, I think. Yeah, it's I think yeah. it's major general, Double, like brigadier general. No, I think it's I think it's brigadier general, major general, general? major general, lieutenant general, and general. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't remember <laughs> the generals. It's too much, but <laughs> but she's, she's one or two. Rank. She's one or two below. General. And <laughs> yeah. it seems like she's kind of operating. I I feel like the expectation is that because Briggs is so cut off, she's op they're operating pretty independently from central mm -hmm. like i mm -hmm. kind of get that impression as well because nobody came for miles right yeah. so yeah. it's not like they were cracking down what was happening in you know on what was happening in briggs and whatever right mm -hmm. so yeah, my impression is fairly absolute rule yeah she's in control of the mm -hmm. the fort and operating somewhat independently oh. from mm -hmm. central so now one of the things though that uh miles says is that because he's not like uh, from Ishval. Yeah, he's not as Ishvalan, right? He's mm -hmm. got, he's a mix. Mm -hmm. um, were there other Ishvalans from Briggs that they had to, I don't know, deport, detain, send off? I, um, it's not clear, but my yeah. uh, uh, my guess is that there weren't. It seems mm -hmm. like there weren't a lot of Ishvalans in the military. 
That would make yeah. sense. Because like from just from that like bit we got of them like rounded up. They were all in yeah. the prison and there weren't that many of them. Yeah. Which I mean understandable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know about yeah. <laughs> so Yeah. But yeah. It seems I mean, like I there just... was probably like a like they probably like put it into words in the law of like how Ishvalan you have to be to be Ishvalan, which is something we as a human as a human species have done many times mm-hmm. in the past. I also wonder if oh. because he's basically lived in a mistress rather than the Ishval territory, that maybe they don't really know his background and so he wasn't clearly an Ishvalan, even though he looks yeah. it like they couldn't Maybe you know, he has like, like an Amestrian yeah. passport or whatever. He said yeah, he wasn't exactly. born in Ishval, so mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So I feel like the um, like the letter of the law probably says he's fine, but like yeah. if someone had decided, like, oh, he's suspicious, like they would still have put him in a camp because they still <laughs> would have been like, well, you have like family, you have like, yeah. you know, you could be ally allying with them yeah. and whatever, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. yeah, like people who had just connections to. Like, well, I guess things have been interned, so... Mm-hmm. Where I'm going is more, like, with Olivier's um, attitude, would she have complied if there was a, a, a pure Ishvalan in her... among her ranks? Would she have given them up? Would she, What would she know. have done in that situation? I, think, like, I doubt she would have, like... I doubt it. Yeah, yeah. I doubt she would have, like, volunteered anybody. I don't know how she would have reacted if someone, like, came and went, like... You got like a full blooded yeah. fallen soldier. We need to take them away. But... Yeah, if somebody a higher rank came and was like, "We're taking mm-hmm. this person," who knows what I she would have done? But like, yeah, my I think based on her speech, I don't think she would have voluntarily given that person up if she felt like they were like worthy of being there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess maybe maybe if she was too concerned, she would have been like, "Is you may be best off just like retiring or something like that? Like leave? I'm not gonna. De- <laughs> I'm not gonna take you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but." you may want to just peace out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's like, here's a knife and some food. Watch out for the bears. <laughs> <laughs> like, we have, here's a month of rations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we will report you as missing. <laughs> well, I guess, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, she would not have volunteered that, but if someone did ask, I would turn you in. Do with that what you will. I'm not turning you in right now make a choice that sort of thing you know mm. yeah i don't know yeah maybe i don't think she would have just forcefully made the person go though. yeah mm-hmm. exactly and i think she would have resisted it as much as possible yeah i think if it was a value based on her like wanting to have like valuable people and things for the protection of the fort i feel like he was a valuable soldier to her she would have resisted mm-hmm. even if like directly commanded to turn someone over mm-hmm but she she also does seem loyal to the military though because when uh Miles was like, "Well, what if I did decide to turn against you?" then she's like, "I accept your duel." Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but... she also casually says that she's done a lot of things that would get her court martial. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, "What did you do? I really want to know." They're just like, I oh, wanted... "I've done plenty of things like that." Yeah, they're like, "I might get court martial." And she's like, "Oh, pish posh." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've all done things like that here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I wonder. I, that's also interesting. I don't think that uh, Armstrong, Al, Al, I guess, I don't know. Yeah, Alex Armstrong. <laughs> I don't think that he he would have done something to get court martial that could be court martialable. You know, he seems <laughs> like kind of a goody goody. I wonder. I don't think so. You know, well, technically he did. That's true by letting did, the yeah. those Ishvalans uh, escape yeah. until Kimberly blew them up. <laughs> 
Kimberly, quote unquote, saved Kimberly's him. Because Kimberly's like, oh, if someone else had seen you, you would have been court-martialed. Yeah, true, yeah. true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like, point. yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> maybe other things, maybe not. Yeah. I think he would hesitate more, but... <laughs> I don't know. I guess he did technically get court-martialed. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like she would do more things that are, like, more... Morally questionable. I guess, maybe. <laughs> but, like, more in line of, like, doing what she thinks is right. Mm-hmm. You know? As opposed to what people tell her, I guess. Yeah. Like, what she thinks is right to best serve. Mm-hmm. Not morally right, <laughs> necessarily. Yeah. Yeah, things that other people might see as morally questionable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody sees what Armstrong did as morally questionable, except for Kimberly. <laughs> yeah. Maddie would think he saw it as morally questionable. He's just like, oh, that'll get you in trouble. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, make sure you do your job thoroughly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the impression I get. She's more cutthroat than Ar- than Alex Armstrong, is what I'm saying, I guess. Yeah. She's too cool for the rules. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. That's why she mm-hmm. has to be at Fort Briggs because it's so cold there and she's yes. so cool. <laughs> it was actually it was actually um like a desert before she arrived. <laughs> she, she turned it into cool. a mountain. Yeah, she actually has ice powers like Elsa. Yes. Mm-hmm. Let it go. <laughs> They're not visually dissimilar. No, when I, when they showed all the mountains and then they showed her, I was all like, ah, oh, it's the Ice Queen. I see. <laughs> She's a good, like, deal of her braid, braid her long, uh, curly Armstrong hair. Yeah. She's also kind of a queen. She's like, they showed her on a throne last year. They chapter. call her, they, slight spoilers, they call her the Ice Queen. Like, I mean, yeah, is that shocking? Like the Queen yeah. of Briggs and, like, the Queen of Briggs and stuff. Like, yeah, totally. I think one of the upcoming chapters is called, like, the Ice Queen. Maybe. Yeah. 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 The Snow Queen is the next chapter. Mm. That's what it yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. Ice like Queen, how, Snow Queen. Yeah. yeah. I like how many, like, nicknames she has because they also call her the Northern Wall of Briggs. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. She definitely is the Wall of Briggs. That is for mm-hmm. sure. I like that Fort Briggs itself seems really interesting. It's like a huge fort. It's like gigantic mm-hmm. and it's like in a huge valley. And it like basically goes down almost to bedrock. Like that's mm-hmm. where they were. They were like, oh, is someone digging in the bedrock? So they're like not that far up. You know, they're pretty deep underground or whatever, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It seems like an interesting place itself. Mm-hmm. So I had now they're like, whoa. <laughs> whoa, a giant fort. Whoa. Mm-hmm. There's also a bunch of sketchy pipes down there. Mm-hmm. Going somewhere, doing something, which I assumed was moving like hot water around to heat the fort, but who knows? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we saw yeah, a lot of pipes like fathers, part of the, so I don't know. Yeah. It seems like part of the power and power system of the fort. Mm-hmm. Well, they said it's the core of the fort, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I do like how they they gave them a job that Ed couldn't do, which was yeah. knocking <laughs> the ice off. That was really funny. I was like, oh, they're gonna knock the ice, and then you, the, there's like the panel of Al just going like, Dink, and then Ed yeah. like, I can't reach Ed. <laughs> <laughs> freaking out in the background it was really funny yeah i love the other show was being like oh my god as they're oh, like no. watching them fail like, at this oh. job yeah exactly <laughs> you're gonna have to give ed a stool or whatever yeah so. yeah it was funny i'm imagining like uh bell from um not sleeping beauty the other one beauty and, beauty and, the, beast? Yeah, beauty and the beast uh-huh. yeah how like she's on that the ladder. ladder that slides yeah just owl on that with a uh, the ice pick just sliding, knocking them all down. <laughs> yeah. Al can just chuck his head up there and knock them down, I guess. Yeah. 
Oh, one other thing about Olivier Armstrong, which we didn't talk about yet, was her so much sass that she gave to Ed and Al after yeah. the story. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where she was like, you're not only reckless, but you cause oh, panic yeah. and destruction wherever you go. All mm-hmm. for the sake of a personal crusade. And that makes me sick. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> Harsh. Mm-hmm. Also true. Yeah. yeah. It's like, she's not wrong, but. She's definitely not wrong. But yeah, like, it's just kind of funny because, like, other characters were like, oh, we're so moved by your plight or whatever. She's like, you guys are crazy. Yeah. But anyway, I do want I do want more connections with Alcahestry, so I'll keep mm-hmm. you around. <laughs> yeah. I love how she does that whole, like, smackdown and then is like, well, that's what I'd like to say. But... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you just stay here and try to make yourselves useful and we'll find the girl so. mm-hmm. but <laughs> i did enjoy that there's part of me that was like she's right yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i agree <laughs> but that's no, kind of funny yeah i love how it just like completely steamrolled by her like ed and l are like mm-hmm. and try to make an argument she's just like fuck that <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> yeah pretty much i think she sees right through them mm-hmm. so I, not that they really like tried to cover anything up except for that the fear is a homunculus, but mm-hmm. but she was like, well, yeah, I think any any mention of the homunculi and the conspiracy, yeah. but yeah. yeah, 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 any mention of the conspiracy, um, but she was like, yeah, he, the buccaneers said they're good fighters or whatever, but she was like, well, they're still soft, like, mm-hmm. yeah, so interesting. Yeah. I like how it was buccaneer who seemed to like be slightly touched by their story. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he just thought they were spies. I don't think he has anything against them. Yeah. <laughs> knowing that yeah. they are actually, you know, in the Amestrian world, Ed is at least in the Amestrian military. Mm-hmm. Right? But I like how he's like, I'm the Fullmetal Alchemist. And, and also Olivier Armstrong was like, well, you could, it could be anyone. I don't yeah. know that you're the Fullmetal Alchemist. I loved that too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she basically like flipped everything that they, like they brought this letter of recommendation. Ed used, tried to pull his rank. Mm-hmm. And uh, they tried to fight, but they couldn't do any of those things. It was pretty great. <laughs> so once again, uh, they were at the mercy of others, which was funny mm-hmm. and interesting. I thought there were some interesting... There are a couple interesting moments in these chapters that I think point to some bigger themes. So one we've already talked about, which was Olivier Armstrong's um, like speech, long speech to Miles, mm-hmm. that it doesn't that any prejudice on the battlefield would result in weakness and casualties and that um blah 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 blah. hold on i'm just kidding i wrote her whole speech in my notes (laughs) but she said you you don't you don't just have his fallen blood flowing within you you have the blood of many other ethnicities Mm. it appears to me that because of the blood because of that blood you view this country from a unique perspective i was born and raised in a mistress in order for me to be an effective leader, I need the respect of my soldiers, especially people like you, to stop worrying and just mm-hmm. follow my orders. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, um, obviously, like racial tension is explored thoroughly in this in this oh, series. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's, I think, like, um, part of Olivier Armstrong's deal is, of course, being like you know anybody can contribute to this cause, and that we shouldn't have prejudice as long as people are kind of like. You know that people prove their worth in other ways, and that just and Ed specifically said like focusing on in his discussion with Miles, he said when ethnicity is all you think about, there's bound to be confrontation. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's possible to treat each other as equals when um, we deal with each other individually or whatever. So I feel like all those things combined are building toward the that theme with everything else that's already happened in the story. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I I liked those moments a lot, mm-hmm. and then I also thought there's this like. 
uh, Salem Bradley when he's in the library with Al's like, why do you want to learn this like inferior Alka history mm-hmm. or whatever? And Al is like, world peace. But like, mm-hmm. it's kind of funny because Scar's brother said the same thing too about Amestrian alchemy. Like Scar was like, why are you learning this? These people like oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. suppressed us and whatever. And he was like, it's, he said like, I'm learning it too better you know we need to better understand each other and blah blah, blah. so like mm-hmm. al's little like one-off conversation i just felt like salem bradley's um question um i think more alludes to like the the other side of that sort of like argument of being like we're the best country everything here is great mm-hmm. like being yeah. more closed-minded and that that's better that's a better perspective yeah. um, and then you kind of couple that with what we had seen with scar's brother Mm-hmm. It's like the the opposite of that. Like we yeah. need to explore other ideas, and mm-hmm. we can learn more about each other and get along better with other people who are different. If we learn more about them and stuff like that, yeah. So I liked that too. So yeah, in Al's case, it was kind of just like a <laughs> an answer to hide the truth. But I thought it was interesting of like to have uh, Salem asking that question mm-hmm. in that scene. I love that panel with Al where he's got like the heart between his hands and like roses behind him. <laughs> he's like, Whoa. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I enjoyed these chapters a lot because mm-hmm. of those mm-hmm. messages, especially Olivier Armstrong's. Yeah. So it was nice. Um, that's all I have to say. The only other thing I have left to say about these chapters is Swath. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Digging underground. Sort of see um and i guess well i mean i don't know i wonder if there'll be a confrontation because the ground was like cracking or whatever but um i guess we'll see later mm-hmm. but he was mm-hmm. there so yep now yeah. we've uh see him again seen, yep we've seen like we've gotten a somewhat decent introduction to everybody now as far as mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. yeah that's true because mm-hmm. his only introduction before was just like it's sloth over there we got to keep him busy uh, uh, and he was just like standing by yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, now he he said his his spiel, yeah, that ties into slothfulness, I guess. So mm-hmm. I guess at this point he seems like he has kind of a one dimensional attitude, like gluttony. Mm-hmm. You know how like some of the homunculi have seem more like more not like more developed characters, but they have like a more like human like personality, I guess. Like mm-hmm. lust, mm-hmm. like lust had a lot of facets too. Yeah, her. yeah, and like envy. Uh, mm-hmm. But, like, gluttony seems to be more kind of, like, single-minded and monstrous. And at this point, we've yeah. only ever seen Sloth just say this. Like, this is the only thing that he said. So, mm-hmm. yeah. it's all we have to work with. But he also seems kind of single-minded in mm-hmm. the way that he acts or whatever. So, I guess we'll see. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, the, they've talked about how the homunculi are, like, the next evolution of humans and all of that. Um, I wonder if... Greed, Greed talked about Sloth, right? How he knew Sloth and making that up? Uh, I don't know. Maybe he did in the anime, I think, but I don't think he did in the manga. I think he like asked where Sloth was before he got yeah. put in the dip. He dipped. But, um... <laughs> yeah. So, um, with uh, Gluttony and Sloth, maybe because like they're they were the two first homunculi because they're just not as developed, and you get like um, okay. lust and envy and. I don't know where Pride is yet. We don't know enough about him. Um, sort of as the next stage, and we've got Greed and uh, Wrath now as sort of the m- most human 
uh, with their technique and all that. And so that's like the evolution of the homunculi and like, mm -hmm. so, so the reason he's so single-minded and not as developed as a character is that he is like sort of, um, not a beta. <laughs> beta version. I feel like it might have yeah. to do with like father's purpose in creating them too. I, uh, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Cause it seems yeah. like, like sloth is there to do a job and like gluttony was like the failed portal and is now used mm -hmm. just to like dispose of evidence so yeah. like they don't need to be have complex like thoughts that makes sense mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. i think uh i think i'm on the same page as you like it has to do more with what father kind of like decides to put into mm -hmm. them because father because remember father it seems like father has some flexibility in creating them like, he was like, oh, Greed's position is open, but he didn't give Greed back his memories. And, like, he said he would create Sloth, I mean, recreate uh, Gluttony with his memories intact mm -hmm. and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So, yeah, they seem to have some kind of, like, purpose or just, like, whatever the way Father wants to make them that mm -hmm. differentiates them. So, yeah, if, if Sloth is meant to be the workhorse, then he doesn't need to have complex strategic thinking or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, like, the envies and the wraths and the lusts seem to have and greed mm -hmm. seem to have a more of a tactical purpose yeah yeah so makes sense yeah i guess that makes sense i don't know but it just seems like to me that he can control them a little control what goes into them a little bit not control them after they're like out of out of his body or whatever however he makes them like because mm -hmm. greed just went a wall right yeah <laughs> mm -hmm. first greed not greedling mm -hmm. but yeah um I feel like father was like, that was a mistake. <laughs> Let's try this again. Yeah. But you seem like a guy who could have a philosopher's stone in you, <laughs> Ling. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I don't have any other things that I want to say about these two chapters. He's like, oh, he's like, oh, you're feisty. Let me put in the, uh, the feisty embodiment one. of the feisty one who already uh, betrayed me once. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing can go wrong. <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm just excited to see what happens next time. I want to see mm -hmm. more about the. I'm I'm invested in the Briggs peeps. Oh yeah. I don't care what anyone says. Mm -hmm. We'll see how long it goes on or who shows up or whatever. But yeah, I feel like also like my impression of people finding it dragging might have been from back when I was reading it as it was coming out because you know there's mm -hmm. some things that like like if they're coming out serially you're like oh my god we're still here but like yeah. then when you like read it all together or watch it all together you're like oh this flows fine actually <laughs> yeah that's true yeah. <laughs> that's true if you're waiting months and months and you're like oh, i want to mm -hmm. see roy again then it's probably gonna feel like a, a long yeah. time or whatever yeah but i mean i was like i flipped the page to olivia armstrong and i was like okay we're good yeah so. <laughs> yay <laughs> we can stay here <laughs> like i said i like her already so yeah <laughs> yeah i'm invested so in trip t typical costume fashion, <laughs> I have I have things to add. Yay! It's actually very small. Um, I feel like we didn't talk a whole lot about Winry. Um, oh yeah, and it was a very small part, but like, you know, uh, with Wit Winry and Ed and Al, um, a lot of what they've been talking, like the the sort of themes that have come up, is the communication mm -hmm. and being open and all that. Mm -hmm. And it's just I don't know. Nice I don't I don't have a whole them. lot to say, but like, yeah, Ed didn't really talk to her and let her know what's mm. up and mm -hmm. turns out to come back and bite them and like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> frost bite them uh, 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 uh. Yeah. yeah he just um, charged ahead of Gen, of course yeah yeah he wonders like that idiot <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, i do love um as a side note to that i love ed's continued thing where he like 
mention Winry in relation to his automail when he's in a fight. Mm-hmm. It's like after the he's like, like when he's gonna kill me. Yeah, after he gets bit mm-hmm. by the by the crocodile, he's like, even if I survive <laughs> this mountain, Winry's gonna kill me. Yeah. yeah. He'll do things like that, like during the like during the greed fight when you like flexes his hand. He's like, he's like, my mechanic is amazing. Can you believe my arms still move like that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just think it's a cute little like habit that he has. <laughs> Yeah. It's when he thinks about her when he's mm-hmm. using the arm that she gave him. It's cute. Mm-hmm. I like that Winry called. We hadn't seen her in a while, so it was kind of nice just to be like, "Oh, hey, it's Winry." Yeah. Yeah. Like I wonder she, if she got some oil for Al. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if um, like Winry must know about cold weather auto mail. Like, I wonder if when they were like, "Oh, he went up north," she was like, "Oh shit," you know. <laughs> well, I think that's where she called him an idiot. Yeah, maybe I don't right? know. I just wasn't sure. <laughs> What? Yeah, it's hard to say if he's an idiot for just leaving without telling anybody, <laughs> yeah. or because he decided to charge up north. Yeah, <laughs> or both. Yeah, because when he's sometimes just like you, idiot. When he does like yeah. things that are moderately yeah. dumb, but then she's also like you're an idiot when he does things that are really dumb. So yes. it's a little bit hard to tell. It was well, just hard to tell in the context of the Gar- conversation. Yeah, Garfield says it's like was it affectionate or genuine? Yeah, <laughs> and I'm, I'm trying to see what her reaction. Garfield was, was like they're in mortal danger. Yeah. I don't but, think we have a reaction yeah. panel from her. No, we it cuts right know. to like the like Ed now in the snow suffering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but it, regardless, it was amusing. Mm-hmm. And you're right; it's nice that when we called them and that Ed was punished for not being communicative yes. with her. <laughs> it's like, dude, how many times do you have to go through this? <laughs> yeah, really. When are you going to learn to not make rash decisions? He's just like, I got mm-hmm. a letter of recommendation and a fur coat. <laughs> let's go climb a mountain yeah they have no supplies and they just roll up i have complaints with everyone's winter equipment <laughs> like even like marco and uh may at least they have scarves but then they're all like walking around in the woods yeah they also bought like some supplies before they got on the train yeah so. they had groceries i think they have some things but mm-hmm. yeah it's like Ed and Al just showed up. I mean, Al doesn't doesn't matter, I guess, but yeah, because his armor just moves with magic, I guess, and uh, <laughs> or alchemy. And uh... Ed's a Ed's a think on your feet kind of guy. He doesn't yeah, really do no. pre planning. <laughs> well, he got the letter and he got the tip. That's all he needed, you know. Mm-hmm. But that was not his planning. That was someone else doing the plan yeah. for him. <laughs> and he almost left before he got the letter. <laughs> yeah, he's just yeah. like North. Great, I'm bye. on my way. And then Armstrong was <laughs> like, "Wait, let me give you this letter." Not that it helped him. And apparently it was, pl- yeah, bad planning, too. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I- it did moderately help him, actually. Cause like, yeah. I'm sure that she was like, well, my brother wrote this, but that doesn't mean... Yeah, I don't, yeah. Think then- I don't think she would take his word for any, like, this is a great person, but she's like, well, he's probably he who he says he is. Yeah. Say you are, and like- <laughs> yeah, and he's actually in the military, for example, and yeah. he's probably yeah. actually an alchemist, and mm-hmm. he's not a spy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think she trusts, she trusts Alex Armstrong enough to... Mm-hmm be like I'll to not a send chance. a spy into her fort yeah exactly yes. <laughs> but i don't maybe maybe she thinks he's not the best judge of character though which i could see yeah, <laughs> yeah. so like yeah. everyone's great mm-hmm. <laughs> or whatever uh, not as tough as a judge of character as she is i guess mm-hmm. maybe but yeah she's like i don't care i don't care about his introduction and i also and she was like uh she did start their conversation with, so you know my you know my brother well, or you know my brother or something. So mm-hmm. it, it did seem to mean something to her, but just not as much as they were I think he for. intended. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and not as much as Ed now thought it was going to matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's more that than anything else. Yeah. 
any other uh any things that we want to say this time other than olivia armstrong is great olivia. <laughs> sometimes i just say olivia i mean to say olivier olivia <laughs> armstrong. yeah yeah it's great i think that's everything nice all right good good do you have any home <laughs> store runner stories that you want to tell us <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? Sticking about it very hard. <laughs> I, I mean, it's I probably been my... probably a long time since you've watched Homestar Runner. I'm mm-hmm. guessing. There's there's a couple that I've seen, you know, classics, mm-hmm. you know, um, but I don't think any were relevant this time. <laughs> you mean there's no Homestar Runner where, uh, like Homestar threatens to like accept a duel from anyone and cut them down <laughs> with a knife and nah. or with a whatever a sword and <laughs> nobody gets trapped in a snowstorm and frostbite almost lose their limbs to frostbite and whatever <laughs> if i absolutely have to make a homestar reference i guess it would just be a general i think that <laughs> olivier treats alex similar to how strong bad treats home sad i haven't seen strong sad i haven't seen enough um yeah. homestar runner to know that much about yeah. what i literally saying. haven't watched it since i was like 11 like <laughs> <laughs> essentially he's just a uh I'm not sure exactly Big when it came out. Kind but of was... guy who's always very, you know, sad and dreary, mm-hmm. and Homestar, uh, strong, strong bad just bullies him. <laughs> no respect there, you know that sort of thing. I don't know. I feel like I feel like somewhere, like deep in her heart, Olivia Armstrong has some respect for Alex Armstrong. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm intrigued mm-hmm. about what their relationship. Well, is. yeah, actually, that, that's that's sort of what happens. Is like, like strong sad will do something really, really incredible. It's like ah, this is garbage. You know, I can't accept this, that sort of thing, even though it's, like, really good. Mm. So I feel, I feel like it's it's similar in a way. Not a high enough standard is what you're that saying. She's, that, that she's, like, like, he can do great things. I just don't like it. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> yeah. I don't like his style. I don't like yeah. what he's about. <laughs> she doesn't like his, his like, customized letter seal with a little <laughs> mustache and a curly Q hair. Curly cowlick. <laughs> I like his personalized letter seal. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> I feel like uh, Arakawa always draws Olivier Armstrong, like, kind of with her nose, like, upturned. Like, she almost seems kind of mm. snooty. Like, nobody's <laughs> yeah. good enough for her, you know? Like, I don't know. Or everyone is just barely good enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's just looking down from the top of the mountains. <laughs> yeah. She's the Snow Queen. Yeah. The Wall of Briggs. <laughs> the Queen of Briggs. The Briggs Queen. The Briggs Snow Queen. <laughs> Queen of Snow. <laughs> the poison for Cusco. Cusco's poison. <laughs> Cusco's poison. I haven't seen that movie in such a long time. I can't believe he made the joke. <laughs> Alright, good. So, obligatory Homestar and Disney references out of the way, I guess. And one okay. fell swoop. Yeah. What are we going to read next time? Next time, we are reading 66 and 67. Whoa, two. Uh, yeah. Two. When's our next three? Uh, it's a um, little bit. Let's see. Let's find the 78, special. 79, and 80 will be our next triple. It looks oh, like. that's a while. Oh, yeah. wow. That's yeah, like that, a month that's... or two, month and a mm-hmm. bit from now. Yeah. Okay. Well, sounds good. Good, good. Okay. Um... I guess we'll see you then. Yeah. Yeah. Unless, well, unless... no. We'll see. We'll see you next week. Not. Yeah. 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 We're gonna skip all episodes oh, yeah, until yeah, we yeah. get to <laughs> yeah. until we get to those ones. 
We'll see you next we'll see. week. Yes. See you next week for chapter 66 and 67. <laughs> Sounds good. Yep. We'll see you Thanks. next week for Homestar Runner and yes. Disney references. <laughs> well, thank you all for listening. We will see you then. Thank you. Right. Goodbye. Goodbye. Take care, everyone. Bye. Have a good Bye. week. Or Bye. a few hours, that minutes before you load the next episode. Yeah, have a good two yeah. seconds or whatever yeah. the time is between episodes on Spotify. <laughs> stay safe, stay hydrated. Yeah. <laughs>